That's right, they're playing video games for money. And I'm definitely not gonna let uh, Mass Effect in my house. The level of violence on video games. It might be hazardous to physical and mental health. Pokemon world is a world of the demonic. Then there's the argument that video games can be art. They're a world phenomenon. Welcome to Hit Point Pals, where we gather once a week to talk about the games we're playing and dive into some of the big picture ideas going on in the gaming and pop culture world. Bienvenidos, mi nombre es Beto O'Rourke. I'm joined today by Caleb Warwick. What's up? Rebecca Markley. Hi, friends. And our producer, Travis Lean. Aloha. <laughs> ah, a fellow uh, bilingual a fellow, fellow, fellow I see. Americans. A fellow Beto O'Rourke, I see. Well, Thank you, Beto. Uh, I'm sure Beto O'Rourke is a big gamer, and I'm sure he, like we, is, that's a weird sentence, is interested <laughs> in gaming and climate change. Uh, there is an article this week on Vice.com called Gaming's Climate Dread in a 4K Streaming Ecosystem. Uh, in this piece, Lewis Gordon talks about emerging technology in gaming and his experiences playing different games that portray the Earth and the environment in different ways. There are a lot of open-world video games, especially, that focus on these beautiful recreations of the Earth or even, you know, Earth-like places. And a fantasy game like Skyrim is known for its portrayals of, like, beautiful weather and beautiful scenery and such. Um, games like Forza which render very nice photorealistic uh, graphics and environments and weather systems. Uh, he puts it in the perspective of thinking about the way that the Earth is portrayed in these games and how more and more every day this isn't really the case anymore. Um, he points to things like the destruction of coral reef systems in the oceans, the destruction of the Amazon rainforest, and he puts it in the perspective of, so one of the big like selling points for Google Stadia is that people would be able to stream games onto any screen, really, without having to have the processing power right there in their hands, uh, or like, you know, a big rig gaming computer or whatever. It's supposed to eliminate the need for that is the big selling point there. Of course, when you think about it, it adds another factor, which is the game has to be rendered somewhere, right? So Google is building these massive data centers that they can, with racks and racks of computers that they can stream these games off of. So like, to me, it seems like you're kind of like doubling the processing output sort of that is needed to play a game, right? You've got, let's say you're streaming to your phone. So your phone is one device that is using battery and using energy, but the image that's coming to it is being beamed to you from uh, another device that exists in a data center somewhere, wherever that is. Just kind of the idea that we don't live in a society with <laughs> renewable energy and that all energy uses resources that are finite. When Microsoft wants to push the next console as something that can render 8K graphics, I, I, I don't know that we need that. Like, mm -hmm. at, at a certain point, and I've asked Will about this before, like, is there a certain point where, like, we, we talk about the way that graphics and games advance over the years. Is there a certain point where they should level out? Like, is there a certain point where things will become photorealistic? Um, I'm talking about, like, speculative technology now, but, like, does, mm -hmm. does, is gaming supposed to just, like, as far as what we, can, what we can do, should there be a point where it should just level out, or are people just going to keep, you know, inventing more and more things? And, of course, it depends on, like, how long we still exist, because, I mean at the rate things are going around like 2050 we're going to hit a point where the 
Earth is irreversibly damaged and there's no longer any way to really come back from it and it's all going to be downhill from there. I mean, I guess, uh, yeah, like the whole, oh, wow, Stadia, we can stream these games and all that. But of course, like you said, there needs to be a huge uh, rendering farm. Well, there need yeah. to be multiple huge rendering farms, which would draw like a huge amount of power. I, I mean, I think that kind of slightly offsets that as as our you know PC computing power increases, a lot of our power usage uh, improves as well. Like my graphics cards now don't use as much power as my ones from like nine years ago did. Mm -hmm. Same with my just my my uh, my processor and most uh, electronic devices. A lot of them use less power more efficiently, but then that that itself is offset by the fact that as more people are getting these kinds of devices, those little minor savings still probably are not enough to like offset the millions and millions of people every year getting all sorts of electronic devices. <laughs> also upgrading perfectly good devices that don't necessarily need to be upgraded. And then they're just sort of like wasting, you know, like physical resources yeah, as well, like on top of, of that. Like a lot of countries... Um, or a lot of places in general, some of them have like places you can recycle old electronics, but most people probably are not going to go get in their car and drive to those places. Even if it's in the same town, a lot of times they'll probably just like sell it to someone or just throw it in the garbage after wiping everything on it. And that of course just goes straight to like a landfill. So it, it's not even part of like any sort of recycling program. Yeah. There's a lot of electronic devices that are not recyclable airpods is a mm -hmm. is a big one airpods cannot be recycled <laughs> in any way they and you you can't throw them out because they contain these batteries and they were just designed to kind of be these weird disposable things yeah and i think it's that thing of it's not like your device well, in most cases it's not like your device gets slower it's just that it's it's just as fast as when you bought it but you know other things come out and with all the marketing you're like oh well this device I've got sucks, so you get rid of it. Even though it, it it's it's the same device you bought when it was new. Although there is some stuff about with um, software updates, like on iPhones. Yeah, I mean, there's like a lot of just digital stuff that is not optimized well and just doesn't seem to take the like prolonging that we need to have of the environment into account. Like YouTube, for instance, has had a long-standing practice of uh, like YouTube is the go-to for a lot of people for playing music because it's free. Um, but you can't play YouTube videos on your phone with the screen off and that's the way it's always been. Um, so there's, there's a phenomenon called digital waste where stuff like that, like having your, like, like having your phone screen on while you're just listening to music when it could easily be off if you were using a different service like Spotify or whatever, um, is just using more energy. That's more energy that your phone is using. That's more energy that you need to recharge your phone with that you're drawing from somewhere. And there, oh, let's see, I'm just reading an article on The Verge right now. There's an estimate that um, if YouTube were to implement a feature where people could listen to videos and music and stuff with only sound, that YouTube could reduce its annual carbon footprint by 300,000 metric tons. Wow. This is why we need like a Green New Deal and not just like tossing out um, or like getting rid of banning like plastic straws and shit like that because it's not, right. you know, people's individual usage. It's just sort of like the large scale um, global economic problem that what? This causes. You mean if I, if I like stop using straws every day i'm not going to save the planet 
Unfortunately, no. I wish. I wish it was that easy. But I mean, it's all part of the big boomer media conspiracy to shift the blame from um, their generation to the millennials. Yes, make it individual what? problems as opposed to like <laughs> systemic issues. Stop buying food so you can save money. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very, it's very similar to the economic, like shifting the same blame of of problems. There are also these are two systems that are very intertwined as well. Mm hmm. The article that you were talking about, the the Vice article, I really liked the um, subhead that was still preoccupied with whether they could. Games and technology companies are not stopping to think if they should, and I just I remember having like a whole bunch of arguments with my friends who are all sort of computer science majors about just like the importance of ethics in these sort of like STEM fields and how oftentimes it's forgotten because like they get excited about like what could be. Um, I remember having like plenty of arguments about whether or not going to space was a great idea or not. Um, mm. But that's not really related. I just think it's it's funny, the could versus should sort of dilemma um, and and not allowing for a space to talk about like the ethics or the implications of what can happen when, you know, we do open up huge data centers for, for games to render. Um, I guess, yeah, it, like allows for more people to play these games, but like at w what is what is the cost? And if we have, you know, sort of this like existential crisis that's going to happen within our lifetime, um, unless, you know, substantive change happens like today or, you know, 30 years ago, um, it's pretty upsetting that that's not even a consideration. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've thought about more and more in recent years when I sit down to play certain games, and it's not like I sit down to play a game and I have like an anxiety attack or anything, but something that's just kind of in the back of my mind is like playing some of these high-end games, like downloading like an 80 gigabyte game and then like the graphics processing power that my computer is using and also as someone who like owns a higher end computer and is probably like on a smaller uh, on a very small scale like contributing a little bit more to global warming than someone who has a not as powerful computer um but like some of these like bigger uh graphics processing heavy games like they just make me think like these games have footprints like the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare that is, like, pushing the envelope as far as, like, the capabilities of what you can render with a graphics engine, like, that has a an energy footprint um, more so than, like, Stardew Valley or something. Um, and so, like, in the, like, AAA space, at least, people are always kind of hyper-fixated on, like, how can we get games to look better and better every year? Like, how can we get the graphics to render more realistically? How can we get cooler effects, how can we get more particles to render at the same time, how can we do more, like, stuff with visual effects to really immerse people in these games, um, and that, like, that sort of stuff doesn't, well, it's kind of cool, I think, to, like, see, like, any technology, I think, is, like, cool to see, but, like, it, that doesn't automatically equate to a better game, for one, and on, on another hand, it's, like, it, it, the more we like keep this as a normalized thing, the more video games are just going to continue being one of the many factors that continues to contribute to the destruction of the Earth in the end. 
I also think it's interesting that we have a lot of um, like stories in our media about like sort of like apocalyptic sort of events happening mm-hmm. when it's all very like future oriented, you know, like yeah. it's all very like, oh, this was a hundred years into the future or, um, you know, that kind of thing. And we sort of understand, and I think we've had, we've understood this for a really long time as a culture that the, you know, the climate change is happening and things are going to be bad eventually, but it's not something that like we really have to deal with today right now. Um, and you know, that's, you know, great lobbying by the oil companies. Good job guys are really winning the marketing game. But, um, because they're, I feel like because these like narratives are so future oriented, we sort of like forget, like, what are the implications like right now, you know, like the great barrier reef just sort of like dying in mass and, um, like the horrible pictures that you see of, um, just like the Amazon getting like carved into, it's like pretty pretty devastating and like that's not even including like the invisible effects that you sort of like happen with like greenhouse gases and our own sort of i guess culpability in that with with everyone in their amazon prime accounts i feel like we still haven't quite realized that it's you know urgent it's pressing yeah because i mean i think because a lot of it is like numbers and stuff that isn't really tangible Mm -hmm. um and like I like I don't have any statistics or anything in front of me, but like, and it, when people say numbers to me, like it, w- without like a thorough explanation, I don't know what they're talking about as far as like what goes on in the atmosphere and mm-hmm. all of that sort of sciencey stuff. But like like visible things that are destroyed, like the Amazon or like the Great Barrier Reef, are like those are kind of like I I think when people talk about those, it's kind of meant to draw out like sentimental reactions, and those sort of things are like more or less arbitrary i would think mm-hmm. but they're definitely symptoms of like the bigger picture in which we need to be able to sustain the planet and not destroy the atmosphere with greenhouse gases um 4k technology and 8k technology or whatever um these are all things that require more processing power it creates more energy usage blah 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 um i don't even like i know people have very different opinions on that i just i feel like like, 10 years ago, when I was playing computer games, like, I was, like, looking at things on, like, a 640 monitor or whatever, and, like, that leads to some eye strain and such. Um, like, Mac computers that exist now that have, like, retina displays, those are, like, better on the eyes, you don't get, like, these are all, like, quality of life improvements and stuff. And we have, like, good technology for, like, 4K-ish, like, retina displays and stuff, um, whether, you know, your word processing or whatever people do on these displays we have like the pixel density that i need that we need i would think like i don't know why we need to continue pushing this shit and talk about 8k technology that is beyond me i mean unless you're talking about situations like movie theaters and digital projection and stuff like this isn't something that needs like 4k monitors right now are not affordable that- that's not a standard thing um that's one aspect that really baffles me another is bitcoin which is not real but it's a it's a cryptocurrency and like <laughs> making it costs energy so like it costs more money to make a cryptocurrency than like i mean we have what like an like a semi-functioning economy that is based on gold or whatever um that doesn't take any energy to maintain um and so the invention of bitcoin is always something that has has frustrated me as well one of the first purchases with bitcoin was on a pizza and it was a lot of it which i thought was really funny 
but <laughs> so bitcoin is bitcoin is generated by computers that use heavy gpu processing power to constantly generate my understanding is they constantly generate math equations and this translates into a currency and so this is just more electronic parts and more energy usage that is just out there generating this cryptocurrency thing like people build these mining facilities these data mining facilities to constantly harness real power like coal and such to create a thing that we didn't actually need to have in the first place yeah sounds about right which then i guess gets into the question of most things we don't really need there is that like you can't ask everyone to go well, back like, like <laughs> to like medieval europe or something but i understand what you're getting at like you, you we could have easily had this kind of conversation like two th 2002 or something about like why are all these processing like these cpu companies trying to up their clock speeds on these things we don't need this to go faster and power draw kept getting crazier and crazier but now like we've seen that in order to differentiate themselves during that time they went towards like multi-core optimization and things that would drop down power or on like most mobile phones we've got processors running on an arm architecture instead of traditional like x86 and like pcs and like the um the, the chip powering the uh nintendo switch i think its power draw is like 10 watts whereas like a ps4 when gaming is like 150 watts but it also runs on like a much less efficient architecture so you've got this thing this thing of you know in the pursuit of these better graphics and all these more devices these different types of devices we've also got companies trying to specialize in things to get more out of those devices and one of the big things is significantly dropping power usage which is, i mean that's huge 10 watts running at max as opposed to like 150 watts i mean they've got very different capabilities but there's a huge discrepancy in used power there and arguably wasted power there so i'm i'm very interested to see like how the, as these things improve will more things switch over to maybe more power saving well, someone needs to regulate that, I would think, or they're not going to care. Yeah, and I almost would... feel like that's like a band-aid to like the larger problem of of, of digital waste in general. Um, yeah, I mean, because like there is sort of like an efficiency to like large scale productions, where like it's it's way more efficient for like Amazon to ship things than it is for like some one person to do it in like a small local sort of sphere. I don't remember what that's called. Maybe like efficiency of I don't know. I don't remember what it's called, but it's like a real thing that happens. Where like you know thinking local isn't always more sustainable than just sort of like large scale companies, but I feel like at that, you know, like what is the cost still of of you know hyper efficiency on like a large scale? Like, is is that still even necessary? And like what that means for um, other you know problems with like global warming happening at the same time? Um, like, what are the I guess like does it balance out? Like the more efficient electronics get like are the fact that more people want these things is still going to like generate i guess want for more yeah and i think another thing is like the comment about regulation like yeah to a degree if there is no regulation on that they won't pursue it but in some cases like in you know in the real world with a lot of mobile devices we see that isn't necessarily true because we see it's that kind of like capitalistic competitiveness but then somebody comes out with this thing that uses a lot less power and gets more battery life that they can then advertise and now we have pretty much everything in the mobile space trying to pursue in that direction 
which, yeah, like you said, with more people getting these devices, all these savings and uh, savings in energy usage are probably going to be offset by the like work that goes into like lithium mining. Like that's one of the reasons like electric cars are not as green as a lot of people think. And they're actually quite bad. It's because hmm, I wonder where the materials for a lithium battery comes from. There has to be a mining operation to get those resources. And that's very dirty right now, uh, the way it's done. And I remember right. reading an article somewhere about how um, sort of like wind turbines, you mm-hmm. know, like... Oh, those cause things... cancer. Yeah, they cause <laughs> cancer. Um, but they... <laughs> um, like, because they're so big and so heavy, like they cause like so much destruction on our asphalt roads and like Mm -hmm. what is asphalt made of and like it's all kind of like you know petroleum and like all these sort of like other things that are not green that require more upkeep and more sort of like carbon output you know in the name of oh we're you know we're creating green energy um and, and like those are sort of like tertiary um i guess side effects where like you're not even like that doesn't even include like the, the like the literal raw materials that go into a, a wind turbine. It's like the roads that are used to deliver the wind turbine to the wind farm. Right. So I just I don't know. I feel like even in sort of like a capitalistic system, unless you're looking at every single, um, I guess, like pathway and like you're taking just sort of like a, a really, really like grand overview strategic view that's supposed to like last a long time you can't really make decisions only based on profit because they're going to forget about these other things you know forget about things that are are public that are that are supposed to just always be there you know yeah and then you also you know if you're trying to make these decisions based on every element the 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 chances are well you will miss key elements when trying to plan for this and you've got this weird thing of no matter how hard we try, there's something we're going to overlook that will affect the entirety of this system. Like you can't just, you know, oh, we're going to do this to this one little bit of the economy, regardless of, you know, the, the economic structure. Oh, we'll do this little tweak here. But then you realize, oh, maybe it boosts um, like greenhouse gas emissions somewhere else. Or this new thing that would uh, simplify X is boosting uh, waste from Y. It's just this kind of. I, I don't know. I, I it would take one hell of an effort to really get to the find exactly like what we could do to guarantee like lowered emissions. But then you've got the problem of no one's gonna want to do all that work, and they're just gonna go. Ah, well, we can let someone else deal with that. Yeah, right now because there's no incentive because everything is profit based. I think one game you can look at to just kind of get a good idea of how little climate change was on people's minds and what people thought about the longevity of the earth is like a grand strategy game like civilization five in which there the end game of that is that you have infinite resources and can just kind of exist with your thriving civilization forever and civilization five to me has always kind of perpetuated this myth that the world will be around forever um, and that when you get to a certain point, it's like that's the, that's the peak of technology, and we've figured out how to sustain ourselves, and that's not the case. And so you look at a game like Civ Six, which has added the Gathering Storm DLC, which does heavily account for climate change, in which the resources that you use in this version of Civilization have pushback. Like the you you like utilizing more and more resources causes 
the climate of the earth to be affected causes causes natural disasters to happen and so you it be, kind of becomes a like a very realistic balancing act in which you have to figure out like what you like what what are you willing to sacrifice in order to build your armies build your cities and whatever and like what cost is that going to have on this version of the earth that you're simulating here i also really like how in civ 6 it um sort of not i mean i guess sort of it doesn't really address but i feel like it offers like an interesting sort of like perspective on um the whole like global south versus global north kind of like carbon emission dilemma that we have um i don't like using those terms like global north and global south but i feel like it it makes a good like it, it's appropriate here whereas like you know where you i guess like research enough, enough technology and then you can start producing like clean energy but all those civilizations you haven't caught up to you are still using coal and other very like um pollutant heavy sort of like power production methods mm -hmm. right and i feel like this happens a lot in like our kind of like cultural narrative about like oh you know china and india being like so polluted and like that's so bad um whereas like they kind of came to the global sphere later than america or a lot of europe um they're still sort of like catching up and like while america had like almost a whole century of like the industrial revolution to just like cause so much damage to the environment from you know both like carbon emissions and from you know colonialism um and and, and it's sort of it's really unfair to like put these sort of like green standards on on countries that are still not even there yet um and i just i feel like it's just interesting to watch that play out when you are playing civ 6 and it's just like well you have like your climate summits and like you're trying to you know reduce carbon emissions and then like some other country is still you know producing coal and like, they just got there and i just think that's kind of interesting I wish there was more commentary on it, but I feel like that it's interesting to to watch that play out. Um, well, so to circle back around to like the idea of Google Stadia and digital waste and such, I'm just curious to know what people here think about like whenever new technologies are announced, or like for instance, when Nvidia announces that like they have this new technology, ray tracing or whatever, or they come out with like flesh technology that can render everyone's like goosebumps and pores or whatever like like i just want to know what like in general what 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 people think of that sort of stuff and what people are looking for when they sit down to play a game as far as like graphics like what do you think about graphics um i'd say when a new technology is announced uh, i don't think too much of it at first i i'm you know i'm always interested to see like what we are able to achieve with silicon and the fact that we're able to produce images that when I was a kid, you know, did not exist. I think that's fascinating. But when it comes to sitting down to play a game, I'll look at things. I'm usually more interested in how an artist or how a developer will use the tools they've got less so than like, oh man, this game doesn't have like 12k tessellation. Fuck this game. I don't think that. I usually think like, oh cool, they, they're using this kind of method to do this or this thing to hide that. I'm not too interested in. I'm not like, I don't really care much about graphics, I guess. 
Um, this is just like a personal thing. It's like what I look for for in video games in general, mm -hmm. um, especially modern ones. Is my biggest thing is just um, a, a little bit similar to what um, Will said was just like art style in general, just the style of the game. If they're gonna do something interesting with its style, if they're gonna do something something you know different, um, maybe implement some cool modern features that uh, contribute and to the game in some way, I don't know. Um, but the biggest thing for me is style and art style specifically, how the game looks, color palette, yada yada. And you know, you could use the technology you have. You don't have to like go full Call of Duty motion cap and have these like crazy graphics and whoa, military shooter, whoa, everything looks real. No, I want, I want a style personally. I want, you know, an artistic feel to it. I want something that stands out that's not generic because I feel like all of these companies and gaming companies are going forward to like making the game look as realistic as possible. Oh, Maximum frame rate. Yada, there, yada. There's something interesting with that. It's like um, what we were talking about with like mobile devices or just, you know, constantly getting the new device with a game that has like, I don't know, a really lovely or beautiful or appealing style. You can come back to it and go, wow, this still looks really, really good. Whereas if it is realistic for the time, you'll you'll look at it and go, wow, this looks pretty realistic. But then you'll come back to it 10 years later and it won't, it will not have aged as well. Mm -hmm. Whereas something that might have been made with like less intensive tech or methods could still like age a lot better. Mm -hmm. well, that That's that's 100% true. Like. Think of all the games that you could go back to that are relatively old or such that have aged well and are still playable and are still enjoyable. It's like you're not looking for the graphics. You're not looking for stuff like that. You're probably more interested in the story, the art style, and the music, more than likely, because that's typically what the biggest attraction is for a lot of games in general, the story, the art style, and the music. That's like the main, like obviously gameplay too, that's that's a that's a different story, but I'm just talking about like, um, you know, like mechanics, um, some, some age poorly, but just Legend of Zelda is one I could always think of, um, probably aged, I don't know, maybe Orca Arena of Time, uh, aged pretty decently, I guess. Um, you go back to it, especially for a 1997 game, um, you go back to it. You have all the nostalgic feels and everything. It plays pretty well. And you have the music, you have the set piece, you have the art, everything. And obviously that's a game that came out on, what did it come out? The Nintendo 64. So it's like the technology was a lot different back then. But um, just just think of time periods. Think of games that stood out. Were they graphically the best? Were they, you know, all this stuff. Typically how I've seen it, the games that have come out during those times and that have stood out the most and are the most unique and people love and will always go back to weren't always necessarily graphically the best, you know? Um, one that I can think of, I guess, off the top of my head is like uh, Modern Warfare 2 that stood out kind of for like graphics for its time, especially. Like that was a pretty... Um, that Personally, I like that game a lot, but um, to be fair, like that one was pretty graphics intensive during that time. And a lot of people enjoyed it. A lot of people liked it. A lot of people played it. But I'm just talking about, like, you know, over the past, you know, 15, 20 years, maybe. So it's just what stands out to me the most is games that withstand the test of time typically rely more on um, art and 
you know music and mechanics for its time not heavily on graphics you know graphics sorry go ahead i think i think two games using like the exact two franchises you used it's like the original call of duty came out in 2003 and for the time like i thought whoa this looks pretty realistic Mm -hmm. you go back to it that game looks hideous yeah wind waker nobody came out in like 2002 and that aged a lot better like i can look at wind waker now and go yep this is yeah this is very appealing and it doesn't need to stay at the forefront of tech i don't care what anyone's saying nobody's talking about the first call of duty nobody like (laughs) not as like i just just think about it like think about it in terms of like what will stand the test of time and think about like games that were super hyped up during it's time and nobody talks about it anymore. Like one game that I could think of that's a little bit more modern um, in the sense of that is uh, The Witcher 3. Like I swear to God, I bring this up every single podcast and it's not going to stop, but whatever. Um, the Witcher 3 is graphically a beautiful game, but it doesn't use a lot of power compared to its uh, AAA counterparts. Um, it's more heavily reliant on its art style, its music, and obviously the longevity of its story, yada yada. Um, graphically, it's a beautiful game. Like it is fantastic to look at visually. All this stuff um, has a great soundtrack and a lot of sorts. And some games look better than it graphically, but um, what is going to make it withstand the test of time is its art style, its music, and its story. Like that's that's those are just like the three beats um, of like games that will hold on to nostalgia's grasp and do, doesn't matter how graphically naturally the graphics of games are going to get better. So um, you don't necessarily have to push to make it graphically a better game, because if you're using the technology of your time and make something great with it, it's just it's just going to turn out how you want it to turn out, essentially, um, in regards to story, art style, and music. So just think of the era and then think of the ones that stand out. Yeah, I think there's like a big absurdity in this sense of spectacle where AAA publishers are always trying to sell you on the graphics of Call of Duty or of the next Battlefield Five game or whatever and how it can procedurally destroy the environment do battlefield games still have that cool like destruction <laughs> I yes believe so. yes they do okay i love that we don't need that <laughs> now you can procedurally destroy the environment in real life <laughs> oh shit i'm sure that they just say that because it's really easy you know it's like a really easy sort of marketing narrative to, to spin because progress has always been sort of like it it is a good thing right so when you can apply progress to things like technology like people are like yes because technology is always good you know these are really easy um sort of like god terms that we can use Mm -hmm. to um i guess communicate things that are, are just beyond kind of like the the raw data of of the the graphics and like what that actually means i think it's interesting though because what i've started to see it's just kind of like a observation is a lot of people are starting to like not care as much about graphics i think it's just kind of been like a a downturn as technology has advanced though because like they just kind of expected to have decent looking graphics but 
a lot of people just don't care anymore and i think that's sort of a good thing in a sense of like um just games in general it's like people are starting to realize like it you know a mat um like a lot of people know that like graphics don't make games and that's we all know that but um i'm just saying like you know a majority of people who game in general are just starting to be like okay I, I know graphics are good. I know the graphical p capabilities of games are great now, but like, is that your selling point? Like, is that what's going to make the game? Because if that's so, then I don't want it. It's not going to do good. Graphics can't be a selling point anymore. They I just hope that it's just not a selling point anymore because they don't deserve to be a selling point. Not anymore. Not at the state that we're in. Maybe back in like, you know, Back in the day, but not anymore, I think. Anyway, I think the takeaway is that, like, not that games are necessarily, like, the games are definitely a factor that contributes mm -hmm. to climate change, but they're not one of the largest, and it's not to say that, like, like video games are destroying the environment, because, or, or that, like, we don't need video games, because... As a society, like, entertainment is something that we have had since, like, the dawn of time. And entertainment isn't really, like, a tangible thing. Like, you don't need entertainment, but we rely on it because that's just part of how society functions. That's why we enjoy sports, and that's why we watch movies and go to plays and all of that sort of stuff. And so video games are a natural evolution of that. Um, but I, like, I, I just wish there was some way that people could kind of refocus what is important about games and it's not the technology exactly. um like especially since we're in a like a situation where ideally we need to just like slow down and kind of stop what we're doing figure out how to stabilize the climate or we're gonna die and like what we really needed to do was just like turn off the car <laughs> forever ago yeah. we still need to do that but there's no plan in place to do that i had this like weird like I don't want to say vision, no, but, um, like, just, like, our planet dies, and it's, like, 100 years in the future, and, like, all there's left is just, like, you know, ancient ruins of our technology and stuff, and there's, like, uh, our video games left over, right? So some, like, alien fucking species comes and visits and, like, looks and... All they find is like shitty copies of like video games. That <laughs> like, like, yeah, <laughs> like all they find is like the shittiest, like like graphically amazing for the time, but like just like the worst games. And they go, "Oh fuck! No wonder these people are all dead now." <laughs> this is what <laughs> killed them. No, I just like <laughs> millennials are killing the planet with their video games. <laughs> they they see like they find a newspaper that says that, and they're like, "Oh." That's what happened here, okay. Well, let's try not to break the environment while we take a break. Excellent. Are, what are we going to talk about when we come back? Uh, games we've been playing. Stuff boomers. we've been playing. Whatever. Just kidding. We'll just wrap up. <laughs> We're going to talk about boomers. <laughs> Dear God, no. And we're back to our podcast. We have a schedule to keep, after all, much like Twitch streamers. And, after all, who's a better upcoming Twitch streamer than big boy Sando? Yeah! Big Sandy! Big Bernie Sandy! Sanders. Big Sander. So, Rebecca, you're on a Bernard name basis with B. Sando. Tell us, what <laughs> games do you think Bernie is going to be playing? 
I feel like it'd be really funny to watch him play like Mortal Kombat or like some oh, other oh, really shit. like highly violent game and just sort of be like oh. totally, I don't know, wowed and just appalled at how horrible and gruesome it is. I, I think it would be better if he was all if he on was board. Just, uh, he was, if he he was, was unfazed. Just, he's unfazed. He's heads off and he's yelling, take that B&M Bankers. And it's just this gory mess. Let's kick his ass. But that would also be great too. Um, yeah. Just something, yeah, like Mortal Kombat. That would be really funny actually. Or like some really wholesome game. I don't know, just like. Like Mortal Kombat. Yeah, like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> or I don't know, like We Play or like something like very sweet and old man like. That would also I be great too. I want to watch him play Dark Souls. That's what I want to watch him play. Not even wholesome anymore, just straight up hard. Just straight up, let's throw Bernard in there, into the Dark Souls, and see what he could do. Could you imagine if he's like thriving at Dark Souls, he's just killing bosses left and right? Just kicking ass and taking names, invading people, and straight up just killing people, backstabbing people. Oh man, Bernard! The of Anolando get... own point one of ninety nine percent of all Estes. It's like, oh shit, what is it? Bernie, stop! Bernie, what are you doing? I would like to see. I would really love to see Bernie play Big Pharma, so I can just see him <laughs> have to play what he despises. Uh -huh. So I would just see him like gripping his mouse, gritting his teeth. <laughs> so good. Now that you say that, what are what are some controversial games we could have him play? Oh, jeez. Um, well, controversial for like what reasons? Any reason. I would like to see to see him play Doki Doki Literature Club. <laughs> so yeah. that like he can so he can funny. look at what happens to Sayori and say stuff about like, oh if we had proper health care, this wouldn't have happened to her if she could have gotten the mental health treatment that she needed. <laughs> oh, I want I want to see Bernie play like an horror old Wolfenstein game. game. Oh yeah, that oh. too. Oh, oh, Wolfenstein yeah. game. Wolfenstein first. Wolfenstein first. So we can yeah. have Bernie shoot Nazis. Yes. And then it can get screen capped by right wingers, and they can say so much for the tolerant left. Yeah, <laughs> just killing Nazis. Oh my god! <laughs> any any more? Uh, still, I think Stellaris would be a cool one to see what political routes he takes with his alien civilizations. Is he going to become an imperialist and 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 claim a bunch of oh. like space, <laughs> or is I he going to be a very play. tolerant uh, alien lord and? And build a, a, a very harmonious society and peaceful society. I want him to play fucking Fallout New Vegas. I think that would be cool. See what faction he's actually with. See the real Bernard. See see the real Bernie for who he is. Let's see what side he goes with. Is it going to be Kaiser's? Is it going to be the NCR? Wait, realistically, who would... Neither. All the factions in New Vegas are the bad guys. Well, they're not all the bad guys. They're just like there's no easy pick for no, them. No, they're all the bad guys in that game. You're right. You're right. You're right. 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 I was. I don't think I. I. I don't know none of them. I don't think this is gonna get us anywhere. Yeah. I, <laughs> I want to see him play some horror games. Let's let's have him dive into some um, what? Not psychological horror. Just straight up spookiness. Is right that, away. He, Caleb? He's like eighty plus years old. Right? Doesn't matter, dude. Doesn't he can handle it. <laughs> He's been in politics. That's just as scary. Yeah, he's yeah he's seen he scary. Shit, yeah, dude. you're right. He'll probably be completely unfazed, just like when he plays Mortal Kombat. Yeah. The first Todd. fucking scene of Outlast, 
all creatures jump out and all Bernie has to say is, oh, lobbyists, and that's it. <laughs> you could attribute what happens to the people in Outlast to just bad universal health care. <laughs> oh, yeah. shit! You're right. All right, and Bernie, no hit us up. Um, we've got lots of good ideas for what you should play. Please come on our podcast. Uh, this is <laughs> an open invitation to Bernie Sanders. We're not going to talk um, about politics. We're just going to talk about gaming. So you better read up on some well, gaming stuff. Games and politics go hand in hand. They do. So? I'm just saying. What have, what have we all been playing? Does anyone have any anyone have any good stories or shout outs? Hmm. I've been playing a lot. Um, I th Did I finish? No, I didn't finish Metal Gear last time I was on the podcast. I just finished the first Metal Gear, and that was the most infuriating thing I've ever done in my entire life. Um, I was playing the first Metal Gear, and I was playing with the D-pad, and not realizing I could actually use analog the entire game um, oh. on my PlayStation 3. Um, there was some really cool parts about it. Uh, I really liked the Psycho Mantis fight. It was pretty cool, except until I kept dying because of the wonky controls. But then... Um, once I got to the Metal Gear Rex fight, um, I almost, like, there was a, a blood vessel that was popping out of my forehead that was probably six feet long at, by the time I was done with the boss fight. Um, the boss fight took me two and a half hours to beat, and I did not stop playing the game until I beat it, and I just, there was something about it. I just, these controls, man, I was just, something about it, but I beat it. I believe it or not, I actually had a lot of fun with that game, and um, I started Metal Gear Solid uh, 2, Sons of Liberty, and I'm also excited to just play through all of them. Um, yeah, Did anyone the take same... the Marianne Williamson <clears throat> or Metal Gear Solid quiz? Uh, I have not. No. <laughs> no? I gotta take it now. God damn it. I'll have to give it away after this, after I, this there's podcast. This, there's this quote from Metal Gear Solid 2 that was like, at the start of the game and I just can't stop thinking about it because there was no reason for the quote to be there he was just like the colonel was talking to Raiden and he was like Raiden you need to find out or you need to go to the middle of this room and uh, pick out these nodes that are in the middle the computer nodes that are in the middle of the room and then he stops colonel and says wait a second did you say nerd and <laughs> I was just like, what? Like, yeah, no, I don't know. It was just so funny to me. I don't know why. I was laughing at it for a good half an hour because there was no reason for that. That I, I'm like pretty far into the game now and I just still can't stop thinking about it. And I just thought it was so funny and I know it's going to pop up somewhere later. Where, where is this quiz? Well, no, don't look at it. Hang on. I want to quiz you on oh. a few. I did okay. this earlier today and I'll let you know straight up. I got 12 out of 20. Okay. So not great. I, I'll probably get about the same for me. <laughs> right, I'm going to pick see. some of the shorter ones so I don't run out of air. Okay. Okay. Every thought we think is like a missile delivering either harmony or chaos and it lands on us. Oh no. Marianne, Marianne Williamson, Williamson or Metal Gear Solid. Is that Marianne Williamson? Yes. Hmm. It it is Marianne Williamson? Yes. Okay. <laughs> wow. I was I All was right. giving other people the opportunity to weigh in, but oh. since no one did, oh, I just went ahead and clicked uh, on it. Okay, next one. Um You are at the right place and this is the right time. Every aspect of your reality provides the opportunity to make your next best move. Oh what the fuck? I don't, I don't know. Is that Metal Gear? I think I'm going to say Metal Gear. 
I'm going to click it. Nope. I mean, Marianne oh, Williamson. No. Oh, no. Oh. Well, Is it just a bunch of quotes from Marianne Williamson saying that it's going to be from somebody Williamson else? <laughs> um, today, Here let's honor the soldiers who died so we might be free and atone in our hearts for those having died because of military misadventures. Is that Miller? No. No, that sound, that's got to be Marianne. If it's Miller, <laughs> but that sounds like Marianne. Let's see. Yes, Marianne. Oh! Marianne Williamson. <laughs> okay, it, here. Right. Uh, let me have. Let me. Let me do one more. Okay. Only one thing matters: the purity of your mission. Colonel. No. Oh, that. See, that sounds like a Metal Gear thing, but that sounds too much like a Metal Gear. Thing. <laughs> yeah. You know no, I'm going all. I say Metal Gear. Yeah. It was Metal fucking Marianne Williamson. Oh Damn, my I god. What? <laughs> I, dude, Mary Williamson is got my vote. Well, anyway, yeah, that's on. Uh, where is this? New York Mag. If anyone wants to take the full quiz, <laughs> sorry I to derail the Metal Gear Solid conversation. I just I no, took no, it no, away no, today, no. and I really enjoyed it. The purity <laughs> of your mission sounds like um. That sounds like that is Koji some Kojima. That shit. sounds like yeah. It sounds that's like it crazy. came straight from fucking Kojima's brain. Like, yeah. Come on. Maybe this is just really, really strong marketing for Death Stranding. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? Crazy. The fucking Hideo Kojima actually created the New York Times as marketing for Death Stranding. No, I'm sorry. I wasn't clear. I meant the candidacy of Marianne Williamson is a viral marketing stunt for Death Stranding. I, oh. I like I like that conspiracy a lot. <laughs> Marianne Williamson, this is an open invite for you to come on to our will podcast I, as well. Will, you and I played some Barrow Trauma. We did, and uh, we got traumatized. It was a, a neat game about taking a submarine into the uh, the oceans of the moon Europa. Uh, it's got some neat fluid simulations, some spooky sounds. It's very, very janky. Spooky. Yeah, very janky, very spooky. Um but uh, but a blast to play, and it's in early access. But I'm interested to see what more they add. Yeah, I really like it. To me, right now, it feels like a very good framework. I though the state it's in right now, it's not like I I love it or anything. Like it's like it, it's in early access, so like it needs a lot more work. But it's like a very promising framework compared to a lot of other early access games I've seen. What what game is this again? Barotrauma. Barotrauma. That is the, I, I believe that is the word for the phenomenon where, uh, g is it going up or going down? I don't remember. I think, it, I think it's going up really quickly. Yeah, surfacing really quickly from the depths of the ocean will, like, cause your head you, to explode. How do you spell it? B-A-R-O-T-R-A-U-M-A. -A -A. Ah, there we go. I was trying to find it. Oh, yeah, it's, this it's game, very... this game. I gotcha, I gotcha. This game yeah. has always looked really interesting. It's it's very neat. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to try and, like, figure stuff out. I know Travis and I have had cases in where, like, something would be wrong on the submarine and we wouldn't be quite sure of what's going on. Or There's something I really um, like about the fact that, like, like, the multiplayer definitely is missing a lot of features, but mm -hmm. there's something I like about the, the concept of like you and some of your friends like one or more friends uh, operating the different parts of this submarine together 
Mm-hmm. Like it kind of reminds me of like Sea of Thieves or other games that are like kind of asymmetrical in which people have to work together to make different parts of the thing function. It's also it's a roguelike, so every time you start a new game, um, it generates a a a path of points t- to kind of go towards the core of Europa. So you kind of start at like a, a base on the surface, and then you can kind of pick mercenary type missions, like to like go to the next area and kill a giant thing or deliver this cargo to this station um so you earn money to buy new supplies with um and it the game kind of steers you to kind of go towards the core and we haven't really gotten anywhere close to that and that's due to several like technical issues so i don't really know what's at the core um multiplayer i i haven't tried single player but will you said that in single player your crew is persistent and your objects are persistent where in multiplayer like we realized after thinking about it for a while we realized that our because every time we started a new mission for whatever reason the game is built this way in multiplayer the crew is swapped out they're not persistent i don't i don't i don't get that and there's kind of a side effect where the crew would take our supplies when they got swapped out so like they would just kind of run off with our stuff and it's definitely not an intended feature of the game and so i hope they fix that because we couldn't get very far due to that issue but it's, it's i uh, where's all the duct tape hmm. Hmm. and the last engineer ran off with it now we have three doctors Shit. how are we hmm. supposed to operate this ship? you got a wrench hmm. Hmm. but yeah very promising i i don't know when it's supposed to come out of early access i think they've been updating it for a while and they'll continue to update it so we'll probably revisit it again in the future, definitely revisit it again at full launch whenever that happens to be. Maybe I'll pick it up. Um, just depends, though. If you do, we should we should play. Oh, absolutely. The more no. real people, the better. Oh yeah, definitely. This is like a game where, yeah, it's it's kind of like a paradox game. Like if you've got more people in here, like you're gonna have one hell of a time, I would think. Yeah, that sounds. <laughs> Being on a submarine with my bros, with the boys. <laughs> The girl, too, if Rebecca, you ever decide to pick The up. girl. Yeah, yes, the girl. What's up? girl. Last week, uh, I, Travis, Rebecca, and Cam all played some Crusader Kings 2. Oh, yes, oh, we It was did. a lot um, of fun. I've never played with more than, like, three people. So four, I don't know, like, just the more people, that game just gets more and more Count. fun. It does. It's like, playing alone, it's like, oh, oh this happened. Hmm. How, playing how with the, people. How does the multiplayer work in that game? It's all real time. Yeah, the game that was really hard. A a I feel like there were so many things that I was missing. Like I didn't realize that I married my like, I guess my like, I think it was my like cousin, or was it my <laughs> I niece? I think it was my niece, and I just like didn't know, and I was like, yeah, sure, great, and then, whoops, that caused some problems, but whatever. Like, we all had different, we were all right, like, literally right next to each other. But with the way that game is, we all had very different situations to deal with. Oh, yes. And it was just very interesting to see, like, what was going on in everyone's games and what someone might do might, uh, how it might interact with someone else. Like, I had a province that really didn't like me, so I just let it go. And then, like, a few months later, I think I saw armies besieging it, and they were Cam. They were Cam's (laughs) troops, and I was like... God damn. I was like, well, I guess I can't complain, but all right. 
Um, I think or, the best like, part of the multiplayer experience for me was like we would have these very long stretches of silence as people are scheming and working on their their lands and their countries, and then someone would be like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because I had I, I had like I'm playing a trade republic, and I had like schemes to get rid of my competition and get more of that big money and then i'd like oh the kings of france are interrupting my plans i'll get revenge so i'd kill some kings and then i could keep killing their kids to try and ruin the dynasty but then the heir to the kingdom of france was a member of rebecca's family and then i had to stop all my plans and be like wait a minute i can't let this go any further and then there was a crusade and somehow Rebecca's like cousin. I don't know what relation they were. Got all the earnings in Jerusalem. Oh yeah. And now your family has like two king titles, a I bunch s- of counties. <laughs> and I didn't and even like, know how this happened. Like, I, I don't know. Like I guess the just... marriages just got lucky, and yeah. it's just like, god damn, we've created a superpower. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. I didn't play very many video games this week. It was a it was a busy week, but I did unexpectedly get to play dominion which is a card game have you ever played dominion is it like a medieval card game about building an estate or something or um kind of i i feel like it's sort of like Catan, but for with just cards only and there's like way more expansions um but we played that i played a whole bunch of expansions that i hadn't played before so i was like really in over my head and didn't really know what to do but um it was fun there's like a couple of like fun ways you can play where you can play more like interactive and sort of like affect other people or you can just sort of like do really fun combinations of like action cards or you can just sort of like get a whole bunch of money and that's always fun and so it's just kind of interesting to see how each sort of strategy is impacted by like the cards that you play um i was talking with a whole bunch of friends who they have like a whole bunch of expansions and they use like a website that has like you just like plug in the expansions that you have and it sort of creates like random cards to choose from that are in sort of gameplay and um so like you can always just like have games that you wouldn't you know like normally think of so it's like random always Mm. and that's that's a fun way to play um because like Cam has Dominion, but we only have three expansions and one that we don't really ever play with because it's kind of stupid. And so we're just kind of like stuck playing the same cards over and over again because we haven't bought any more expansions. Um, so it's it's fun to see how much more like the game can develop. But it is sort of interesting. You sort of do have like an estate and you're like you're buying I guess, things to add to your estate, but it's not very, it's like not a story game. Like I've never been able to sort of sit down and kind of like have an idea of like what my estate's supposed to look like. It's it's much more about, I guess, sitting at a table and, and playing this game with a whole bunch of other people um, as opposed to kind of imagining what's happening. I'm just sort of like a contrast to Crusader Kings. It's much more about like the cards and like the the mechanics of the game versus the larger story is it a, at all about relationships with other people um no but there are i mean there are there are other ways that you can impact other people like you can you know curse them so they lose victory points 
or you can play cards that impact their hand or their deck. You can make people trash cards, which like gets rid of them forever, but they're not um, really like long lasting ways to do that. Um, in mm -hmm. the game that we played, there were these cards that you could sort of like level up. So there was like a chain of events that you could go through if you played these cards. And so that was really fun to see. I had never played with those kind of cards um, before. But yeah, I guess it's, yeah, there, there's not really any relationships. It's just sort of like a one and done. And then you shuffle your deck again and draw five more cards. Hell yeah. Dominion, right? Dominion, yeah. And yeah, no D&D &D happened, which was unfortunate. But it, it's summertime and I feel like lots of people are out of town. So we're taking all of the games that I'm running. We're taking all of July off. So I won't have any updates on D&D &D except for Tomb of Annihilation, which I'm playing in. Uh, I had I had one more shout out. I was dipping my toes into uh, Cadence of Hyrule, which is a uh, rhythm based oh. dungeon crawler uh, set so in the fun. world of The Legend of Zelda. And it is a kind of follow up uh clone sort of but also extension uh and expansion upon the indie game uh, crypt of the necrodancer uh it's still pretty cool to me that like a little indie game studio was able to get permission to make a legend of zelda game which is a bit unprecedented because nintendo is not really known for <laughs> licensing out their big uh properties um but i really like Crypt of the Necrodancer and so I have I've been really liking uh, Cadence of Hyrule it's pretty difficult so far uh it's I I would say it's a lot more difficult than Crypt of the Necrodancer um but where Crypt of the Necrodancer is kind of uh sort of a roguelike where you're going through different I say sort of because there are like stages and so like once you've beaten stage one you can just go into stage two at any point and so on but um uh, it's it's not l completely linear like Crypt of the Necrodancer is. Instead, there is a randomly generated um, uh, like hub, not hub, but like a like like an open world sort of like classic two D Zelda. So you've got like it'll it'll generate a, like a version of Hyrule Field for you and all of the different uh, regions that exist in Hyrule. And so your job is to take link or zelda because this game lets you play a zelda because the developers aren't cowards um you can <laughs> take your character through the the world of hyrule in whatever direction you want and go into dungeons get across the overworld and such uh it's kind of it to me it's kind of a throwback to like very very old classic like Zel like original zelda where part of the challenge is just getting through the fucking overworld in the first place which is like a monstrosity <laughs> to do um but also, it's completely rhythm-based. So, uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer and this game, uh, there is a constant uh, beat that you have to do everything to. The soundtrack is very central to this game. Um, it's really cool to hear kind of these dance house-esque like, versions of classic Zelda music. Um, and hearing like new like modern instrumentation mixed into these songs like electric guitar i thought was really cool to hear especially in like the overworld theme just that classic legend of zelda theme um i've been finding it really difficult to get through like i said like the overworld and other other areas i i find the game very challenging in a different way than like a lot of people 
find it challenging in that like a lot of people have issue with the fact that it is a rhythm game and so people who are oh, like I, not used to that oh. sort of thing have a lot of difficulty like staying on the beat because it's a it's a game where you have to it's grid based and every move you make has to be on the beat you have to keep moving you can't stop you have to so you have to keep moving and you have to account for where enemies are going to go and where they're going to attack and you're doing all of this in real time so it's kind of like a very fast-paced turn-based strategy game where there is no room to breathe and that's the aspect of it that i find very difficult not to stay on the rhythm because like i like i I have a like a musical background i've played musical instruments and i find that aspect of it very it comes not very natural to me um i even i turn off the like on-screen indicator that shows you where the beat hits because i find that like taking up unneeded screen space when i can just listen to the music um, and so, like, I have no issues with that, but then I just get into this issue of I'm just a dumbass because I don't know where to, like, plan where <laughs> I'm going. And so I'm following the beat to this music, and I'm like, I'll go over here, and I'll just, like, have, like, a projectile that I had plenty of time to account for. I'll just run into it because I just did not plan my route accordingly, um, and I got really stressed out from, like, <laughs> the anxiety of needing to keep doing things as this constant, like beat grinds on it's usually a 4-4 beat too which is just very anxiety inducing because it doesn't end uh and then like the dungeons are also very fun to go through they there's a the dungeons especially are always randomly generated so if you the overworld remains constant everyone has a different overworld but your overworld remains constant the dungeons randomize every time you die though so there's a lot of different layers of roguelike going on in this game it's 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 very fun um a lot of item usage a lot of on the fly thinking and it's very enjoyable i think i'm literally gonna buy that game right after this podcast (laughs) i'm not even joking i've been wanting to buy that game i really have because like i love rhythm based games um but i don't know there's just something i think just like the price point in general because you know switch games in general but i think i'd really enjoy that game on the switch so i think you sold me you sir i tried to get i tried to get yeti to buy crypto the necro dancer because it was on sale for three dollars and he didn't get to it in time and we both no. said mm. oh no because like, mm. it was like three dollars oh, yeah one one more shout out for a game i've been, kind of been playing um it's an indie game on steam it's called um hyper light drifter um i bought it and i've been playing a little bit uh, i love the art style the music everything about it it's like a mix between like Dark Souls and uh, Legend of Zelda, like kind of like aesthetically and story wise, and I I just love everything about it. It's a little eight bit game. Um, it's it's really fun. Um, I highly recommend you guys check it out sometime. Maybe if it's on sale or something, I recommend it a lot, especially if you guys are into those games. And yeah, I just wanted to give a little shout out to that game. I'm also gonna buy games of Hyperlight right after this. Yes, Hyperlight Drift, Hyperlight Drifter is another yes. backlog game of mine. Highly recommend it. It's I've been listening to the soundtrack a lot, actually. So, um, it's really good. It's like a mix of like, it reminds me a little bit of um, the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild soundtrack with like electronic synths in the background because it's like a little bit more of a futuristic um it's like a futuristic uh what would you say like sci-fi uh it's yeah it's a sci-fi but um like dark fantasy sci-fi dark fan yeah that's actually perfect um 
So there's like a lot of like ancient ruins and stuff, but like full of technology and stuff. Yes. So yeah, especially if you're into like stuff like that, you'd like a lot. And it's very, um, it, I don't think it has any actual dialogue. So everything's like, um, if somebody's talking to you, it, it's good. like a picture of I what's happening. I fucking hate dialogue in games. <laughs> I'm not so even being ironic. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's essentially just a visual novel of a game. Um, well, not visual novel, but like everything story-wise is shown to you, not told. So the opposite of a visual novel. Yes. <laughs> I mean, everything is like, yeah. So um, I recommend it a lot. I love the art style of it and the music so much. It's so good. It's a little bit hard, though. It's a little bit hard. So uh, I will save this for next week. Hopefully I will have maybe finished it by then. That's like a fingers crossed thing, but... The Outer Wilds, still a very good game. I played a bit more. Oh, yes. I uncovered a lot of shit that like left me in awe. So when I get to the end of that game, uh, I'll come back with more impressions. But yeah, that's just where I'm going to leave that. Hell yeah. Anything else? No, let's no. let's wrap it up. Let's toss to the let's toss to the outro. Well, much like Travis nearing the end of the Outer Wilds, we have reached the end of our podcast. Thank you for joining us this week on Hitpoint Pals. You can find all of our episodes on the web at hitpointpals.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash hitpointpals. Drop us a review on Apple Podcasts, and if you're enjoying our weekly chats, give us a shout-out. Let your friends know. Hitpoint Pals is a collaboration between me, William Suit, Rebecca Markley, Caleb Warwick, and Travis Lean, who also edits and mixes the show. Talk like boomers on Facebook. Uh, I, I enjoy my sanity too much. There's a Facebook group where like everyone has to be like a boomer. It's really funny. Or it has to like talk like a boomer on Facebook. Hey man, wait another 30 years and, and it'll be memes about people from our generation being so out of touch with things that are going on. And it happens yeah. to every generation. And how all of us type LMAO and we don't capitalize you. Yeah. And people or make it'll just to talk like, like millennials. It's like, haha, let's, let's talk like millennials. Ha, I hit the dab and everyone will be <laughs> laughing at us. Like, let me put it to you that one of these days, you're going to hear some like young, like high schoolers walking down the street and you're going to hear one of them say, haha, gumble that snoot and you're not going to get it. And that's the instant you realize like, oh shit, I'm, I'm old. I don't get, I don't get youth speak. <laughs> well, the thing, the interesting thing about millennials, I think is like, I think it's slowly starting to like bridge the gap like the gap between who well, well here's I, the thing i have I, a counterpoint to what will's saying because what will's saying makes perfectly amount of sense 
but it's yeah. also because millennials didn't have the technology that we have today where i can look at my phone and my like twitter feed boomers. is a combination of like boomers and millennials and gen z and whatnot mm-hmm. so i like i get a steady intake of like m- like memes and uh, like generational stuff from all of these different groups at once uh, and I'm, I'm like maybe is... i'm fucking wrong but i like to but... think that like i i generally have a good understanding of what's going on in all of these different groups at the same time but i'd also yeah, have to also, say a lot of times that stuff is very contextual so yes. how much of it are you really right, getting right right, right yeah. yeah and i think that'll build up to the point where well it probably we probably won't realize it much like boomers don't yeah but no i think you're absolutely be, right about that so uh, we'll be out of touch i'm not saying like we'll roam around going these fucking gen mxers they don't get it like we're not gonna but, I, like, but, but yeah, no, no, I think, but like Caleb is saying, I think it does begin to condense because there's a difference between like a, a person who has never used a smartphone and like doesn't even fucking know what Twitter is, right? Yeah. And yeah. the thing is too, like <laughs> boomers come from a generation of like only work and hating themselves. So like, um, we also come from a generation of technology essentially. So I think we're going to have a lot more understanding of the next generation because the like, other the other side to what i'm saying though is that of yeah. course there will be new technology that we probably won't use yeah maybe. yeah i mean like you could just picture like some dude in the 60s going oh shit i got oh an eight track this stuff is great portable music this stuff oh this is fantastic or the walkman or, or laser disc in like the 80s or whatever whoa shit but despite all that there's still that like very observable like gap Mm-hmm. between people of like different like ranges of age or whatever yeah and I, I don't know and it's one of those things that we won't know until we get it there. happens and by that point maybe we won't have that self-awareness or we will but we just there's no way to rectify that because it's not something really to be rectified we don't even have to worry about it though because we're all gonna be fucking dead anyway oh shit you're what so are right. we talking about i was gonna bring that up too. oh we we're oh, talking, about, talking about like burger um, king we're talking about like we're talking about a theoretical <laughs> next generation of people who will say gumball yeah. that snoot and we won't know what the fuck is going on yeah it's just like you know we <laughs> like right now you always talk about like oh shit boomers haha but then you've got the case of in like 30 or 40 years it'll be the same shit about our generation and i'm just i'm very fascinated by like some kid's gonna come up to me when I'm an old man and say some like really like mean slang to me that I won't understand. They're gonna They're like, say LMAO. What the fuck did that kid say to me? <laughs> like I have no idea, and I'm just like, ah, oh, damn, Gen ones. I don't know. Gen Z plus wires. Three point plus one point quadratic formula. Yeah, I was just saying like. At some point, I was just saying, yeah, like, at some point, you're going to be, like, walking down the street, and some kids are going to walk by, and you're going to hear them laughing, and one of them's going to say, like, Glarfanoof. Yeah, Glarfanoof, <laughs> and they're all going to laugh, and you're not going to know what the fuck they're talking about. And, and they're the going to be, like, like oh, on shit. their, like, hoverboards laughing at you. They're going to be on their hover phones. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I they're want hologram- this so bad. I want this. The image they're in just my holographic just kids. They're not even <laughs> real. They're just fucking AI yeah, kids. Yeah, because they telecommute to mad. school, so they just project themselves throughout yeah. throughout society. Yes. When, when they're they at call, recess, they they're actually as, in as, VR. As part of regulating climate change, they eliminate uh, automobiles, and so children have to then teleproject themselves to school. And so you'll be like walking to Starbucks to get a coffee, or like future Starbucks to get a coffee, <laughs> hover Starbucks to get a coffee, and you're just going to see some teleprojections of kids walking by going, Haha, Garfanoff. And then they're going to, while you're <laughs> ordering throwing... your coffee, while you're ordering your 
cybernetic vente. You're going to hear these people <laughs> behind you snickering and going, ha ha, what, what, a, what a corpo. He still uses his corporeal form when going out. <laughs> Just, he gonna, hasn't even converted to earth currency yet. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I want this. Corpos. Oh my this guy uses I Apple live long Pay enough 3. to like care about the kids these days, you know? He doesn't He doesn't even have a 48k TV. Wow. What are those hands on a watch? Ah. <laughs> uh, what a dork. Well, they yeah. wouldn't use that term. They'd use what a cyber dork. And then Caleb said, "Well, we're all going to be dead by then anyway." Yeah. I see. It'll just I be did. hollow ghosts. I want to prevent it, but I just don't have enough faith in our humanity. I saw an interesting thread on Twitter about how there was like some poll that it says young people are less tolerant of gay people than oh, yes, millennials are. And I don't remember what the... I just saw someone who like quote tweeted it and was talking about how like progress has never been linear. And so you can't always sort of like look to the next generation to sort of like do things correctly, quote unquote, um, mm. because. Oh, that makes sense, actually. You wow. know, like, I mean, I feel like looking at all of the times like fascism has arose, like those were young people who were sort of like involved in like these social movements like that and didn't necessarily you know, make progress, kind of like regressed quite a bit, but um, and plus you have parents kind of spouting their BS on their kids too. Yeah, but like, mass. I mean, I feel like it's it just more like culturally, like things don't always go forward in time. Yeah. You know, like it's the, the path to progress is not linear; it sort of like meanders, but it always sort of like takes work to sort of recenter, and how yeah, it's kind the- of. I don't know, rich like, but, to just assume that like, oh, things will always be better. The young people will save the day. One thing like uh, uh, as recent as I can really think of, uh, that's like a good analogy is like the 1920s. It's like this big booming economic period. Women are able to like not wear fucking long dresses and hair gets like really cut short. Um, there are like thriving yes. gay communities in New Orleans, especially and New York. And then the depression hits and then the 30s and then hemlines come down and things go real conservative. And stay that way for a long time. It's like yeah. these th- these things change and shift around. There's an influence from each of these different you know kinds of eras or events. But any any progress you make can be just pulled back right from under you. Yeah, and we can't just like assume that like things are going to get better. You know, like to, no. as a way yeah, to, to just sort of be better. like, oh, I don't have to work that hard because it inevitably will. Like, no, that's not true. Um, it all like takes work and plus like when things get bad people are going to want to blame people and it's always going to inevitably end up on a specific group of group of people and that's everybody likes a scapegoat yeah that's yep just... yeah gamers <laughs> am I right gamers. Fucking gamers. <laughs> Goddamn they're gamers. the worst 